We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at CheeseheadTV.com. My name is Kyle Fellows, and I am joined by my co-host, Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome back to another Friday edition of the show. Yes, I am really excited to be here. The Packers have a new head coach. Um, he apparently is a dreamboat, according to everything I'm reading <laughs> on Twitter. And He's a beautiful I, man. He de- That he is. Um, and that's certainly, I would imagine, going to give us a lot to talk about today. Nice, absolutely. I told my wife that he looked like a movie star or something, and she wasn't super impressed. So I don't know. We're apparently like a little bit offbeat over here. But um, last week, we spent our time talking about Josh McDaniels and thinking that, you know, he might actually be the next coach of the Packers. That would have been really cool for us. Uh, But obviously, that is not what has happened. On Wednesday, um, like we said, Matt LaFleur was announced as the 15th coach of the Green Bay Packers. And so today on our Friday episode, we're going to spend much of our time looking at the implications of this hire, what it means for the roster, what it means for the offseason, and what changes we might expect on the coaching staff as LaFleur settles in and makes some of these changes and fills out this staff. Uh, But first, Andrew, 
the national media has not really been that kind to the Packers in this hire. Uh, they don't seem to think it's a good one. So how are you feeling about it? Well, I'm I'm not quite sure what kind of track record you have to have to be considered a good hire by national pundits. But really, these are going to be the same people who are who are blasting the hires of Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and Doug Peterson, etc. So I take it all with a major grain of salt. It is impossible to tell if this is going to end up being a successful partnership. But I always evaluate new head coaches based on a few different requirements. Number one, do they have success in the past? Well, LaFleur was great in leading RG3 and Kirk Cousins in Washington. Definitely that offense in Atlanta and how he handled Matt Ryan. The offensive turnaround in LA. The second criteria is, are they flexible and can they adjust the offense? The Titans are going to get knocked for being a bottom third offense last year, and LaFleur takes some of the blunt of that. But they had so many crucial injuries, and if you look at the concepts, he was really being creative with his personnel, and he got the most out of a bad situation. The third thing I look at is, are they going to be able to bring a team together? And I have absolutely no idea. I don't think any of us do um, how Matt LaFleur handles players behind the scenes. Um, but based on limited exposure, it seems like he is a really engaging guy. I think professional football players are going to be willing to get behind him and, and really follow his path and direction. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes in a situation like this, you don't know how you're going to feel about something until it happens. So I was kind of dead set on Josh McDaniels and I kind of left room open for Adam Gase and these kinds of things in my mind. But when I saw that Matt LaFleur's name pop up on my phone and he's been named the next coach of the Green Bay Packers, I got really excited uh, just from the research I had done and I uh, looked into him and some of the interviews I'd watch. I just really feel like this is a high character guy that's going to be a lot of fun uh, to root for and to hope that he can turn this team around. Um, and I agree with you. I just really think at the national level, there's just been some really lazy analysis. It almost feels like uh, Josh McDaniels was the shoe in here and maybe that the producers had prepped their guys to talk about Josh McDaniels. And when that didn't happen, they just went super negative and decided to blast the hire. But um, I'm excited to see what happens and, and to follow this and see how Matt LaFleur uh, leads this team going forward. But over the next week or so, we will see, you know, the Packers and LaFleur, they'll be hiring and firing and changing the staff for 2019. Uh, so we wanted to spend a little bit of our time today talking about who might be some really solid options for this coaching staff and who might be the front runners that LaFleur may target to hire. Uh, but first things first, we need to talk about what's still a rumor at this point, I think. Uh, to my knowledge, this has not been confirmed, but it's been strongly suggested that Mike Pettin will be retained as the defensive coordinator for this team in 2019. So, Andrew, if this, in fact, ends up being the case, what are your thoughts on the Packers keeping Pettin and what it means for this team going forward? Well, I said at the beginning of the process, I thought the ideal fit for Green Bay was going to be to hire a young offensive mind, check on that one, and pair him with a veteran defensive coordinator. So some of the examples that I gave at that time, you know, you have Sean McVay and you have Wade Phillips. You have Doug Peterson and you have Jim Schwartz. You have Matt Nagy and you have Vic Fangio. Um, those are models of how that system can work. And I think that's something that a lot of other NFL teams, being a copycat league, are going to look to duplicate that. Pettin definitely fits in that mold as a veteran defensive coordinator. And he will continue the impact he made on the young defensive players through last season. So, obviously, the defense wasn't very good last year. Um, so, 
that's going to lead to some people being concerned about Mike Pettin as the coordinator. But I'd like to see what he can do with more talent at his disposal before I pass judgment on a guy who basically has always had major success with his defenses before this season. My only concern is Pettin is being forced on LaFleur, and my hope is uh, Matt has or has had more of a say, and Murphy wouldn't just hire LaFleur because he was going to be taking on the hand-picked defensive coordinator. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like LaFleur had him on his short list of coordinators. It is interesting to me, or I wonder, did he put him on that list to help him, you know, to get the job? Or, you know, it was it somebody that he would have liked to hire either way? And we'll never know that. But if Patton is the defensive coordinator next year, there are expectations that much of his staff will be retained as well. So it could be really valuable to have that continuity on that side of the ball. There are likely going to be some moving parts on the offensive side of the ball as far as coaches go. Uh, it's been reported that Joe Philbin and offensive line coach James Campen are both candidates for the Viking staff. Uh, and so it will be interesting to see if either of those guys are retained by the Packers. I would guess that there's a greater chance that Green Bay retains Campen, who's a highly respected offensive line coach in the league. Uh, but it's very likely that LeFleur will like to hire his own guy at offensive coordinator. So uh, let's just take a few minutes and talk about some potential candidates uh, for that offensive coordinator job. And I'm curious, Andrew, who is on your radar at this point? Well, my number one pick and, and a guy I actually thought could have been a head coaching candidate for the Packers is Zach Taylor. Um, although reports have come out that he is the favorite for the Bengals head coaching jobs, obviously that would prohibit him from being an offensive coordinator. He is just 35 years old, and he has been super key in the development of Jared Goff as the quarterback coach for the LA Rams, and he's definitely somebody who Sean McVay has a lot of trust in, and I would think some of that offensive design would have worn off on him. The connection is obvious. LaFleur and Taylor worked together, and it would give Zach an opportunity to serve as the non-play-calling offensive coordinator under LaFleur, the same way that Matt LaFleur was working with Sean McVay. So it'd be kind of a, a nice cohesive transition there. Um, another guy that I really like is Zach's brother, Press Taylor. He's only 30 years old. So if you want to make yourself feel bad about where you are <laughs> in your life, um, he is the quarterback coach for Philadelphia. And he is another super intriguing option because of the way he's handled Carson Wentz. And then, of course, Nick Foles. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It sounds to me, uh, from just the reports that came out today, that it, it does look like Zach Taylor is probably going to get that Bengals job at the end of the season. So that would probably eliminate that option. Um, Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur, lots of Mikes going around here, have been two of the other names that have been going around Twitter as possible hires. Um, and Tom Silverstein was uh, questioning whether or not Kyle Shanahan would let them out of San Francisco. But what are your thoughts, Andrew, on Matt potentially hiring his brother to be the offensive coordinator? Well, and, and you bring up a good point. The Packers have a severe lack of mics on the staff after going from Mike Sherman <laughs> and Mike McCarthy. Um, so they, they may look they may look to address that. So um, first of all, I always have a hard time believing that there's any head coach out there who's going to prevent a position coach from moving to a coordinator. Technically, they can do just that under the rules, but I, I think you're really setting a bad precedent there for people who might be thinking of joining your staff that you're going to prohibit their growth as an employee. There were reports out of San Francisco that Mike wouldn't be um, leaving anyways, and here I'm talking about Lafleur. 
Um, and he does seem very tied to Kyle Shanahan's hip. But I wouldn't necessarily be a fan of the move. Not because I care if brothers want to work together. I think that's totally fine. And, and they both know that they're, what they're getting into. Um, I just don't know if the work that Mike LaFleur has put out there um, and put on his resume show that he is ready to be an NFL coordinator at this point in his career. Mike McDaniel could be a candidate, and I know this is going to be a really unpopular take because a lot of people like him, but I'm not sure that he has shown that he is ready to work above a position coach level either. And now there's some news coming out that Kyle Shanahan blocked an interview for McDaniel with the Arizona Cardinals, so maybe I shouldn't have a hard time believing that NFL teams or NFL coaches can be selfish, right? (laughs) Um, Clearly proving uh, that I'm totally wrong about what I said. Um, I wouldn't mind some other guys as position coaches. I'm just throwing some names out here. Um, I don't think Mike LaFleur is going to come to GB, but some other guys that I really like. The Titans running back coach, Tony Dews. um, The wide receiver coach, Rob Moore. Uh, they have an offensive line, an offensive line assistant, Keith Carter and Mike Sullivan, all guys that obviously have direct ties to LeFleur just within the last year. Um, and then there's offensive line coach Chris Morgan from the Falcons, um, who worked with LeFleur when um, Matt was in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, one other note on McDaniel being blocked is that that is an in-division team with the Arizona Cardinals. So I'm curious if maybe that would be handled a little bit different uh, if he wanted to pursue a job in Green Bay versus working in the division. I can see where you may want not want to give some of your best talent on your coaching staff to another team in the division. So I don't know if that'll be any different, but uh, something to watch there. That's a really good point, too. Um, one other big name to note in the Packers' search for an offensive coordinator is Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, Hackett was the offensive coordinator for the Jaguars from 2016 until November of this year when he was actually fired. Uh, it seems like Hackett was kind of a scapegoat for some of the issues in Jacksonville, uh, and he's being considered by the Packers now and the Lions and others for offensive coordinator jobs, probably largely because of what he was able to get out of Blake Bortles, Bortles including um, nearly knocking the Patriots out of the playoffs last year. So uh, that has been reported that that is a possibility and that he is on the short list for the Packers on their offensive coordinator search. Uh, We've got a couple other pieces of news regarding the green and gold. Uh, The staff is certainly going to take time to assemble, and we won't know who all is in and who all is out as far as former assistants being retained. Uh, But it has been reported that Ron Zook is officially out as the special teams coordinator, and Packers fans everywhere rejoice. But by all accounts, Zook was a great guy, but his on-the-field product has been lacking for some time. Uh, And that means that someone is going to be taking his spot. And we're going to talk about that possible replacement in just a second. But first, one other notable name that will not be sticking around on this staff for 2019 is David Rye. Rye was the wide receivers coach and was most recently mentioned in a story that said that he and Aaron Rodgers didn't exactly hit it off. It sounded like Rodgers and Rye had different understandings of what they each wanted from the receivers. And so that was obviously not going to work. Uh, But Rye already has an interview with the Cardinals for the same position. So all is not lost for Rye. But um, as I mentioned, it does look like there may already be a name to watch concerning who might replace Ron Zook as special teams coordinator. There is a rumor out there that the Packers may be poaching special teams assistant Braden Coombs from the Bengals staff. This 
rumor has been really propped up mostly by Cincinnati beat writers. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, but the assumption is that if Coombs were hired by the Packers, he would be the special teams coach. Uh, one thing that does tie Coombs to Lafleur is that Braden's dad, Kerry, who was a longtime coach in Ohio at Cincinnati University and uh, Ohio State, is now on staff with the Tennessee Titans as a defensive backs coach and obviously worked with Matt Lafleur last season. So uh, something to watch there as we watch this development to see who's going to take Ron Zook's uh, spot on this team. And I don't know a single thing about Coombs, but the the image that's floating around Twitter of him wearing the aviators on the sideline <laughs> makes me think that he's a pretty intense dude and I want him coaching the special teams. Absolutely. So that alone has me bought in. How 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 do you think we can evaluate an assistant special teams coach for, for next week's show? I mean, I think you have to start with what sunglasses they wear. I think you're already like on the right track. So um, there are obviously a lot of other things going on around the NFL in the coaching carousel. And two that jumped off the page for me um, were Mike McCarthy not coaching in 2019. And I think it's interesting the New York Jets went with another offensive tactician with a lot less experience in Adam Gase than McCarthy. I think... um, there's no doubt in my mind that McCarthy is going to be back coaching in 2020 if he wants to. And I think Bruce Arians proved that some time away often causes owners and general managers to really appreciate what you've done a lot more. Absence really does make the heart grow fonder. The The second thing that uh, really stuck out to me was Vic Fangio going to be the head coach of the Broncos. I think that is a big win for the Packers. Heck yeah. That is a, that's a massive <laughs> hole left in the Bears coaching staff. Well, the talent in Chicago on defense is absolutely undeniable. Fangio had a way of making a lot of average players look good and good players look great and great players look like stars. Well, Matt Nagy always gets a ton of credit, and I think this is funny. Like He is an offensive genius, and he did a great job in Kansas City and um, he, you know, made the most of what they have in Chicago. The Bears' offense was really pathetic at times, and unless there is some serious development from Trubisky as a passer, I don't know how much better the offense can get. So I'm happy to see Fangio, who I call Packers kryptonite, out of the NFC North, even if the Packers do have to actually face the Broncos this season. So um, you have any thoughts on McCarthy and Fangio? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm bummed to see that McCarthy's not going to be coaching this year. Um, I do think obviously we'll see him come back, and I'll, I'll look forward uh, to rooting for him and hoping for his success in the future. And I am beyond excited that Fangio is not going to be in Chicago. I know that makes me maybe a terrible person, but I just think anytime that you know you break up some continuity on a team that's uh, obviously putting some nice things together, that's going to help the Packers in the future. So um, you're not super sad to see Fangio go. You're not a terrible person the guy got a uh, pretty significant bump in responsibility and in pay so you're just rooting for him and his right, success absolutely. he's having in his career and, and it just goes to show you the man has said that he doesn't prep for his head coaching interviews so clearly <laughs> it just goes to show you that you know work hard does not always pay off. hard work does not always pay off so you want to you wanna talk about a little bit of uh, some potential offseason moves? Yeah, let's do that. Um, we know that the Packers, you know, and their head coach, 
these are the things that are going to influence the offseason and things that are coming up. And so we know that, you know, LaFleur may be asking Brian Gutekinds to make certain moves in free agency in the draft over the next couple months. So uh, let's go ahead and take a look at some of those people and what he may be asking Gutekinds to help him out with. Yeah, and obviously it's it's really early to talk about these things, but I think if you structure it in a way where you're looking at theoretically positions that they they could um, you know take advantage of and add onto the roster, um, then you stay a little bit safer uh, out of dreamland um, and playing mock GM like I tried to do a couple weeks ago. Um, so the first the first position that I, I thought would be good to look at is offensive guard. Um, and it's not really a surprise the Packers had some major struggles at guard. One of the people that I think that they could take a look at is Quentin Spain from the Tennessee Titans. Uh, he is a free agent this offseason, and obviously LaFleur is going to be very familiar with him, having just come off being his offensive coordinator. And he is one of the most underrated guards in the whole league. He entered the NFL as an undrafted rookie in 2015 and has really taken off and been he started off as a solid guard, and I think he's really moved into that sort of upper echelon, even though a lot of people don't talk about him. Now, there could be a little bit of tension here, because Spain was struggling in the middle of the year. That was a big surprise, and he actually got benched at the halftime of a game late in the season, but he did return to the starting lineup. He played really well through the rest of the year. Another guard that you could take a look at, another big free agent guard, is Roger Saffold. Um, LeFleur would be very familiar with him from the, his time with the LA Rams. He's going to be one of the best guards in the league and he's entering free agency. So I would expect a big payday for him. The Packers have not historically placed a premium on those interior offensive linemen. So they might be unlikely to pay one huge free agent money. And maybe they would look a little bit more in the draft. Um, and, and again, Ted Thompson's philosophy was, that he was going to wait until the middle rounds. Um, but if Brian Gutekunst has a, a different draft strategy, he could look at early round players like Cody Ford from Oklahoma. There's Chris Lidstrom from Boston College. Michael Jordan from Ohio State, good name. Right. Michael Dieter from Wisconsin, a local guy. Um, and they also could, you know, kind of stick. Maybe Gutekunst is, is following Ted Thompson's draft strategy there and look in the middle rounds. There's guys like Alex Bars from Notre Dame, Bo Ben Shovel from Wisconsin. Those guys really jumped off to me in some of my early tape evaluation. Um, but it will be really interesting knowing um, how how they feel about that interior line position, and maybe even if they're looking at converting tackles to guard like Ted Thompson always liked to do. Yeah, absolutely. I found their Quentin Spain take really interesting. Because, as you said, he's very underrated, and I actually have no idea who that is. So, uh, looking forward to checking out some uh, Tennessee Titans linemen and see if we can maybe poach a good player. <laughs> he had a really good pro football focus score, so I liked him. Um, and if I'm being honest, I don't get to watch a lot of Tennessee Titan football, um, mainly because they were never on the Red Zone channel because they didn't score very much. Talking bad about our coach, man. It's like that's his team. Um, let's uh, let's talk about getting him some help here in Green Bay, so he has a better offense in 2019. Um, tight end is where I want to want to go with this. Uh, many who know Lafleur and his scheme much better than I do have watched 
you know, they've watched a lot more tape than I have as well. And they've observed that LaFleur asks a lot of his tight ends. Not only does he see them as receiving options, but he asks a lot of them in the run game. And that's really interesting because Jimmy Graham had kind of a rough first season in Green Bay. Uh, He wasn't incredibly effective in the passing game, though the offense was able to do some things because he was on the field that required the attention of the defense. But Graham is not a good blocking tight end. Not really at all. And one of LaFleur's points of emphasis is getting the most out of your players and putting them in position to win and be the best player that they can be. So I fully expect him to get the most out of Jimmy Graham and use him in effective ways in 2019. Uh, and as a side note, I do expect him, Jimmy Graham, to be a Packer next season. I don't think Brian Gutekunst is going to move on from him after one season. And Rodgers has said that he wants another go with Graham. So I do expect him to be here. But that said, I think Matt LaFleur is going to require tight ends who will block. And Mercedes Lewis has all but burnt his bridges in Green Bay uh, recently. And Lance Kendricks is probably not back. And the great Robert Tanyan is really fun, uh, has some receiving skill, but he's not probably going to be a force in the run game. And so I would expect the Packers to use a fairly high pick on the tight end position. Maybe not Noah Fant high, you know, maybe not first round 12th overall high. Uh, I do think that they, you know, wouldn't do that, but especially because Fant is primarily a receiving threat, so that may not solve this either. Uh, But watch out for the other Iowa tight end, TJ Hawkinson. He's more of a balanced tight end, and he's really effective as a blocker. Uh, He's someone that the Packers could probably target with that Saints pick at the end of the first round, or maybe even as late as that second round pick at 44 overall. So uh, just interested to see what personnel he thinks that he has and what he thinks he needs uh, going into this next season at tight end. Yeah, and another guy that sticks out to me right away would be Tevin Coleman, who's a free agent from the Falcons. Uh, LaFleur was the quarterback coach in Atlanta when they broke all sorts of records, and certainly the screen and other uh, pass game and running back seems to be a crucial part of LaFleur's offense. Coleman can be one of the best receiving backs in the league when he is healthy, uh, and he would be a really interesting complement to Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. So I expect the Packers to add another running back at some point this offseason. Um, it probably will be in the draft rather than free agency, but Coleman does make the most sense out of any of the veteran options that are available. Yeah. That'd definitely be an interesting option and uh, would look good in Green Bay. Um, I want to talk a little bit about wide receiver, and I know that this is almost true regardless of who the new coach um, is, but I think that they'll be hoping to acquire some more speed at the wide receiver position and maybe someone who is a true slot. I know Cobb may be on his way out. Uh, LaFleur wants to put players in positions to win, as I said. And so I think he's going to want somebody who he can put in position to win and have some home run ability. I think players like Oklahoma's Hollywood Brown or South Carolina's Debo Samuel uh, could be other intriguing options for this team, especially if they were available in the second round of the draft and would have some really big home run hitting ability. Yeah, and if you look at the offenses that he's worked in, the the deep passing game is a huge part along with the quick passing game, so it's kind of an interesting balance there. Um, but we have run out of time, Kyle. Um, this has been the Pack a Day podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also check out at Pack a Day podcast for all of our podcast updates. 
Please subscribe and rate the Pack-A-Day podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Mike and Tyler, and our whole team will have continuing coverage of the Packers, filling out the rest of their coaching staff, and then continuing into a preview of the offseason. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. We'll be back next week to continue talking about all the changes, uh, Packers news and rumors, and taking a deeper dive into the offseason. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... From the 16 of New York, first down, goal to go. Rodgers in the shotgun, Williams to his left, here's the snap. Rodgers clean pocket, throws the middle of the end zone. And a dagger! They beat Morris Playboard. To the back line of the end zone, the Packers have won it. Snap to Wild. Jackson, the rookie, recovers in the end zone in a rainbow lead to the north end zone stand. The Packers have a 6 nothing lead. Beathard on third, down to three in the shotgun. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it, deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the tackle. Nice out of bounds. Oh, he reached back to gather it in, using all six five of his frame. Tumbled out of bounds inside the 30 of the 28 yard line. Hunter Bradley the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee, arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Yes. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. Third and five, 13-yard line of Atlanta. Snap, Ryan, looks right, close, right there. Intercepted to the house for Sean Breland. Touchdown, Green Bay Packers. 19-yard interception return, and it's 16-7, Packers. Rodgers looks it over. Takes the snap. Blitz on. They pick it up. Lofty they got him. They got him. Single back offense behind Aaron Rodgers. He ducks in under center. From the 29 of Green Bay. And here's the handoff. Up the middle. Big Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.